Welcome into another edition of Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Scott Beatty kicking out, kicking off two hours of fun and fiesta all the way till six o'clock. Lauren Tate's here for hour number one. Evan Kahn's in for hour number two. What a show. What a show. Coach Q&A we do on Thursdays for the most part. Nick Quartaro, Quartaro, excuse me, will be with us to discuss uh, Big Ten football and beyond. Idle week for Illinois, but not for everybody. Scott Ritchie next hour on the Illini Beat. We'll play two out of three. A huge game show sensation sweeping the nation. Your chance to win to go eat or drink at the Esquire. So be ready if you would like to play that game next hour. Lauren Tate, happy Thursday. Good to see you. Yeah, speaking of the Esquire, they got Josh Whitman coming out next Monday. How about that? Got the A-listers uh-huh. coming out here as the uh, Esquire show has resumed for the season. Mm-hmm. This past week had Sarah Burton and Janet Rayfield, and they're going to have Josh Whitman and Becky Beach. That's right. And I'm guessing Becky Beach can still go lower than Josh Whitman and a lot of people on the golf course. <laughs> I'm sure she can. Josh is not I've much of a golfer, it. I know actually. she can. <laughs> Josh is actually not much of a golfer. He's probably, if you're an athletic director, you have probably have to be able to hold your own just to be able mm-hmm. to go out and socialize and do what you do at golf courses. But yep. Every every uh, every day we look at the White Sox, and, and uh, they just finished with a win today. Five home runs for the Southsiders in Cleveland, just what they needed. Elvis Andrews. Who? Elvis Andrews hit a home run. Uh, it was off a rookie pitcher. Yoan Mankata had one, and that was one of his four hits in the game. Much-needed victory for the White Sox. They are four over uh, 500, and let's see, back to four games out on the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians have played more games. So, go figure. Couldn't beat Colorado it's, yesterday, and then today still, they thumped Cleveland. It's still a tough Cleveland. pull. It's still a tough pull. Well, the expectations are so much there. Mm-hmm. Were. I don't think the expectations are anywhere near what they were. We talked about this yesterday. Two did, months ago, did yeah. Did you see that Three Ken Rosenthal ago. wrote an open letter to Tony Larusa and told him to quit? <laughs> he said, I, I'm trying to be sensitive to your health issue here. It's not just the health. It's it's just take a seat. You're, the interim manager is doing a better job than you. <laughs> Can you imagine writing a column? I bet you have, in your time, once or twice, written a column to the effect of the effectiveness of a coach, but can you imagine ever penning a column as an open letter directly to a coach and telling them, please, for the good of all involved, please resign? Never done that. Probably should, but I haven't. Yeah. Have you got anything on your mind? Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Two one seven three five one five three five seven. You can join us that way. Coach Q coming up. We got some other goodies as well. Um, one week from today, Illinois football will play against Chattanooga. That'll be a nighttime start at seven thirty a week from tonight. So uh, we'll have sports talk over at Grange Grove. That's the plan at least. Mm-hmm. Four o'clock and then five thirty. Our game day coverage will start and then uh, seven thirty the kickoff. So. Tomorrow, I think the program is going to treat everything like a Monday. Mm-hmm. No, like a Sunday. No, well, he's, he's no, this would it, be a Sunday. He's got it mapped out. I don't know what he's doing. Brett Bielma is talking tomorrow as if it was his Monday availability on a normal week. So I guess I'm off a day. I don't know how it's – it's kind of goofy. Chattanooga's got the harder schedule, though. 
because A, they're not a FBS team, but B, they play on Saturday and then they'll play again on Thursday. So they get the very short week for them trying to prep for Illinois. Illinois just can't overlook them, that's all. Yeah. If they play ball. I'm I'm anxious to talk to Cortero today because of the discussion about man to man coverage and uh, how you how you take advantage when teams, particularly on defense, can move their players around. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's basketball. It's all we talk about. Who's going to guard? So who's going to guard the point? Who's going to guard the center? You know, that's we. It, these are all matchups in basketball. That's exclusively matchups. In football, it isn't so much. But I guess as there is an awful lot of that going on that we're not aware of where you try to match up your best receiver against their weakest defender or vice versa. Defensively, you try to put your best guy on their best guy. Devin Weatherspoon, outstanding game. He has quickly risen to the top of those scouting reports, and he talked with media today. Well, taking care of the ball, you know, I mean, that's, and that's, that's not him. That's uh, Barry Lunny. But if he was there, he would say he likes playing man. <laughs> that's what he told us. He, well, he likes wonder, the challenge. I wish I had the numbers uh, as to how many times Illinois played, how many, what percentage of the time Illinois played man to man under Lovey and Lovey's defense, and how much, uh, what percentage they're playing now? Because I think it's dramatically uh, increased. Well, like I said, the coach, uh, the Virginia coaching staff last week noted that there's a high percentage of it, mm-hmm. uh, higher compared to most. Uh, I, I asked, you know, I asked. If that you was the can case. do that if you have the guys that can cover somebody else one-on-one. And also if they are getting help up front. Well, that's right. And, and there are, there's also help in the secondary. Everybody isn't uh, locked on one player in the secondary. There, you've also got some, some rovers back there. Let's go to the phones, 217-356-9397. Steve's with us. Hey, Steve. Yeah, hey, I wonder what you guys thought about Roger Federer's uh, – Retirement from uh, tennis today, where that leaves him in the all-time greats. And then also, I uh, wondered if Lauren saw the uh, article I sent him that tennis was the seventh toughest sport, golf was the 52nd toughest sport. I don't even consider golf a sport. Nah. I wonder what you thought about that. Thank you, Steve. Well, I, That's hard I, to do either I, way. I think that golf is a sport. I mean, at least you do have to walk. There have been a lot of fusses over guys wanting to ride carts, you know, with, with, with injuries or ailments that, that prevent them from walking 18 holes in a day or in some cases more. But uh, I can't argue the fact that, you know, you have the, the mobility of, of somebody like Federer is just astonishing what they can do on a tennis court, their athleticism. You don't have to have real athleticism to play golf, you have to be able to stand in one place and swing and swing the same place every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are good golfers of all sort of fitness levels. I'm not talking about pro. Sure. Well, sure. even in pro, there's some examples, right? But The guys work out a lot more now than they did uh, 50 years ago. Yeah, but golf is obviously a game you can play at almost any age. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can't play football all your life. No, no. <laughs> so... No. Um, but I don't know. It's in the sports pages. <laughs> I've never heard somebody say it belongs in news, so well, I'll it, say it's it a sport. Ta- it takes a lot of coordination and, uh, and, and to hit a, hit a golf ball and hit it straight and long, as some people do. Yeah. Some, some other people do. 
and uh, well, not quite the same. Baseball is a very highly skilled mm-hmm. thing. There are some. It's uh, different hitting a moving ball. Did Did you see that fastball? They had it was on. Um, I guess is I saw it in, uh, on the internet someplace. This guy had a nine-inch break on his fastball. That's not curve. It went the other direction. I don't know how you call nine that a, inches. I don't know how you call that a fastball. Yeah, well, it, it, you throw it like a fastball, and when you release it, it spins to the right. The other thing I don't right get hand. is, here uh, the other day I'm watching it, a pitcher pitches, and it goes right into that box, lights up at 98, and then they they flash sinker, and I'm thinking. That's just a fastball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anything at 98 is a fastball. It really is a fastball. <laughs> or look at it sink. No, that's just gravity. That's what happens. <laughs> See where Chapman's coming back with the, uh, with the Yankees? You know that he threw one ball, and I don't know if they got this right, 106 miles an hour. Jordan Hicks was at 103 last night. I know. He walked I somebody know. with it. I know. Good win for the Cardinals last night. Yep. And yep. a very, very historic moment. Historical win. Yeah, you sure was. Were you surprised to see Yellich take that first pitch so they could throw it away, throw it in? I I, I was surprised that it was so obvious that he was doing it. He he just stood there and let him know, I'm not going to swing. Yeah, and and Yachty acknowledged it, but then, you know, the next thing he does is gives him another strike, and I think he he struck him out. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, that's, you know, you you say, I'm going to take it, and don't you maybe, the nice, the gentleman thing to do would throw it a little bit outside so you can, (laughs) but it was just, you know, anyway, Wainwright was great. Um, he, 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 the television kind of said he, he held this thing together. There was a lot of hits, but not a lot oh, of yeah. runs. He had what they call, what he called a lot of traffic. Yes. <laughs> so it's just, it's just something special going on there with the Cardinals in this whole season. There's just yeah, kind of, kind of a, uh, you know, with pool holes going out and, and with uh, Yachty and, and Wainwright and with what Goldschmidt and Arenado are doing at the corners, and then you've had some people you've called up, and they've been effective. Or uh, not. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's just kind of a little bit of a – it's a little bit storybook is what it is for baseball. In the midst of everything else going on, it's like, well, court, Cardinals are a nice story. We asked Joe Pott yesterday if uh, he saw any weaknesses in the Cardinals, and he said, not right now. And I said, I object. I think it's the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Cardinals are not a team suited – ideally for playoffs yeah. because they don't have that one-two ace. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Their pitchers are mostly 500 pitchers. Yep. Well, anyway, the caller asked about uh, Roger Federer. I, I would think tennis experts could quibble about it more, but I'll put them on my Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah. Uh, men's tennis oh, players. Oh, yeah. Him, Djokovic, Nadal. Uh, yeah. It's hard he to and Nadal – there was a long period of time where one or the other would win every one, every uh, major tournament, yeah. every Grand Slam, and uh, I I've always often thought about how different it is from golf in the fact that somebody different wins every week in golf. Maybe somebody you never heard of, but nobody that you never heard of wins in in tennis. Not very often. Yeah. The, the, the the star players clearly dominate that sport. And for a long time. And the, but the, the only thing is, some of them have to take a have to get a shot. In order to play, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, Djokovic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Vaccination shot. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, Coach Q is coming up. We'll get his thoughts on college football, particularly the Big Ten layout as uh, Illinois heads into 
a, a an off weekend and gets ready for a Thursday night game. Illinois off to a two and one start. Lots to dig into with Coach Q after this. You've got Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Scott Beatty. It's News Talk 1400-939 FM. Great to be with you on this Thursday. Most every Thursday here in football season, it's Coach Q&A with Coach Nick Cortaro. You also read him today in your News Gazette. And Coach joins us on the line. Hey, Coach, good to have you again. Yes, good afternoon, guys. Great to be with you. How did you enjoy Illinois and Virginia this past Saturday? What a difference a year makes. What a difference a year makes, and also what a difference a week makes, you know, in that regard, because you go from uh, having a game some not really in hand, but a chance to win that one to open the Big Ten season with Indiana. And yet, as I mentioned on this show a week ago, I thought that Coach Bielema, the staff, and the players all together would use that you know, disappointing loss to really be a catalyst and motivation for the Virginia preparation, and it certainly showed on the field last week. Absolutely. Um, The defense, uh, how much do you want to pump the brakes on the accolades for the defense, given uh, we were talking with somebody else this week, you know, what if Virginia's actually just a really bad team this year? You know what I mean? Like when it, as it, as things play out, I mean, what could your eyes tell you that, wow, this is a really good defense and we'll hang on and let's see how this plays out. Well, I think obviously there's, there's tremendous amount of positives to take from that, from a defensive standpoint. And as I mentioned in the, uh, the column that maybe some folks saw today in the News Gazette, you know, it was really about a, a great matchup and taking advantage of the matchup by the defensive staff. Uh, the Illini's defensive front just dominated uh, in the run and pass game against uh, what was to be a very, very good Virginia offense. The secondary covered lights out all day, and you end up with uh, the most amazing stat I've ever seen which was Virginia never converted a third down until late in the fourth quarter, and that was because of a penalty. And as I said in the paper, uh, they did not move the ball across the line the game, but the officials did. They yeah. marched off a penalty, and they got a first down. So I thought that was the craziest thing I've ever seen in you know almost 40 years of college football. Coach, this is Lauren. Let's talk more about matchups. In, in basketball, we know – before a game, you know, which guard is going to guard their point guard, how they're going to guard the center, you know. And, and here we're in football, I don't think it would be much harder. Can you, can you do much with matchup if you're going to play zone defensively? Well, I heard you talking uh, prior to us coming on together that, you know, back in not so long ago, Lovey's defense did not play a lot of man, but that was Lovey. He was known famously in the coaching circles for being a two safety, a two high safety defense, which means zone underneath and two safeties on top of it. Whereas under Ryan Walters and the defensive staff, especially this year, Illinois has really shifted into high gear with more of a man coverage concept. And really you do that when you have confidence in those guys that are playing, you know, most teams now are a spread offense. So therefore, defenses are playing nickel personnel, and not to use a lot of coach speak, but nickel personnel means five DBs instead of the traditional four, because you've got another receiver out there instead of 
a tight end or a running back. So, you know, nickel personnel, five DBs in the game. And then within that, Lauren and Scott, you just look for your best matchups. Not all receivers are created equal, right? Every team may have one guy that's kind of a go-to guy. If they're lucky, maybe two. And so if you're playing nickel defense out of your five DBs, you've got to have a couple guys you can match up with their better people. And then the other ones are usually pretty even across the board on offense and defense. But the key is making sure you're able to put the clamps on the better guys. Now, along with this man coverage, the predominant coverage for Ryan Walters and the guys is what we call man-free or cover one. And you're saying, what is that, Nick? Cover one means you've got man-to-man with one, one single safety free, a true free safety, a true center fielder who's your deep man who can help out on the deep routes, break downhill on anything underneath, and give help as needed on a particular passing scheme. So, you know, that's a a very uh, fundamental or introductory look at it. But you don't play it unless you've got the people that you have confidence in their abilities to do that. Well, the interesting thing about that, uh, many of these players that are playing right now are the same guys that played zone two years ago for Levy. <laughs> I mean, Sidney well, Brown and, you know, was there, Witherspoon was there. You know, these guys are Quan Martin was there. I mean, they uh, he just didn't he just didn't, and I thought we I there was the complaint for years. Nick was we were too soft. We were we were giving the uh, receivers too much room for the short pass. Right. And what man-to-man coverage does, first of all, you can play it tight and aggressively, or you can play off a little bit and give them a little bit of cushion, and then, of course, you mix it up as well. But the bottom line is it's a matter of philosophy. So whatever you believe in, whatever you hang your hat on, you're going to go to war with that, and you're going to sell your kids on it, and you're going to work on those techniques. You're going to work on those fundamentals day one from the time a, a staff takes the job right through winter, right through spring, summer, and preseason. So now these Illini DBs have gotten a lot of work since Brett and his staff came in, you know, a year and a half ago. And obviously you've seen where their skill development has taken them. Nick Quartaro with us here on Sports Talk. Um, if we have time, I'll, I'll circle back uh, on the Illini, but want to get your perspective on the rest of the Big Ten, at least some of the notable items that have happened, including your alma mater there with the Hawkeyes. What's going on in Iowa City? I mean, we've got um, now even sort of prank uh, uh, pranks being played on people to try and get Brian Ferentz to, to leave. I, you know, Kirk Ferentz is in a tough spot anytime you put uh, a relative on your staff. That just always opens you up to criticism, fair or unfair. Uh, but the offense is clearly ineffective right now. Uh, are they going to be better? Well, I, from what I'm hearing, they have a chance to get one of what was to be a starting receiver back this week. Uh, you know the name, Nico Regani. You've seen him play the last couple of years. Not that Nico's going to be a first-team All-Big Ten player, but he's certainly better than what they've had out there. And um, I don't know if that's enough to say, hey, that's a tremendous shot in the arm for that Iowa offense, because it still comes down to what's happening up front. When you watch those front five, interior linemen struggle in both the run and the pass game. And I've said this to so many people where we've talked football since last Saturday is no Spencer Petrus has not played well, but no one around him has played well. 
he's the type of guy that needs everything around him to be firmly in place, solid, people doing their jobs, then he has a chance to be decent. But he's not going to win the game by himself. He's not going to make super plays by himself. And he's not going to overcome some of the inadequacies that they're uh, experiencing given the protection and lack of a run game. So I don't know. And, and when you tested me, Scott, and you said, you know, you can't believe the spread, I hadn't even looked at it. And to see Iowa with a 20-some point spread, that means they have to score 20-some points. <laughs> I mean, I, I just <laughs> I, – I mean, I, I've never looked at spreads until I got out of coaching. And now when I do, I'm really shocked. And this one uh, literally takes the cake this week. Now, selfishly and personally, I want them to play well. I want them to win. But uh, this Nevada team that's coming in is not a great team. They've played uh, – uh, lost, uh, they lost to Incarnate Word, who's a very, very much a throw-it-around-the-parking-lot type of uh, FCS team. And they beat uh, Texas State. And uh, they also beat New Mexico State. So those are not world beaters by any means. They haven't been tested. Uh, they do lead the nation in takeaways by their defense. So that doesn't help the Hawkeyes because they've been giving it away way too much, which is so uncharacteristic of uh, Kirk Francis' teams. So Iowa's got to tighten it up. The defense will be there. The kicking game will be there. If Iowa does not give it away and they can do something – on the line of scrimmage with their old line, they have a chance certainly to win that game. Now, I'm not a betting guy, and I'm not going to overcome 23 points or whatever, but I do hope they can put up a W. By the way, did you see who's coaching in New Mexico State? Jerry yes, I, Kill. I know Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry. Jerry was with us at Rutgers uh, for a year or so before he uh, got out and went back to administration at Southern, but yeah, Jerry's a character and a, certainly a great guy known in the world of coaching. And you talk about having your uh, work cut out for you. He has it out there in Las Cruces. Nebraska, it was a surprise in the timing to some, not a surprise in the decision given another close loss and in a particularly frustrating one at home to Georgia Southern. What stood out to you about the move to uh, fire Scott Frost? Initially, I thought, you know, because I'm a coach at heart, I thought, oh, my God, that's terrible. And then when I stepped back, took a couple deep breaths and thought about it, and I put myself in Trev Elbert's shoes, I really agreed with it. And after I watched and listened to Mickey Joseph's uh, press conference along with Trev Elbert's press conference, I really believed the move was done for the right reasons for the 115 or 120 kids that are on that football team. I think the idea of having a different voice, doing things just a little bit differently, whatever that might be, and really just focusing on what's in-house right now. There's no more noise out there about when will Scott Frost get fired. It's already happened. Now they can focus on the opponent, focus on their personal development. And quite honestly, as a, uh, Everyone knows Mickey Joseph has got a nine-game audition, you know, to possibly get that job. And he's an old Husker. He's a quarterback from the late 80s, early 90s. I remember him there. And the thing about this, the Nebraska faithful will show up louder and prouder than ever on Saturday. And I really believe they will get behind this football team. Not that they haven't been. 
they hated to see Scott go because he's a native son, but for the betterment of the whole situation, a, a move had to be made. So, you know, the, the assistant coaches are coaching for their jobs. Everybody's motivated. So I actually think this can be a pretty decent game in Lincoln on Saturday. There hasn't been a lot of conference play yet, but with Iowa losing and Wisconsin losing, is there anybody in your mind that says to you best team in the Big Ten West right now? Not right now. I think if I were to, and I haven't given a ton of thought, but if I were to have to put maybe a a nickel or dime bet down, I might think Minnesota maybe. And the only reason I say that is they've got the ability to run the ball. They have an athletic quarterback. Their defense, which was super a year ago, is also strong this year. Now, they haven't played anyone, but the elements I just talked about have been evident. So if that continues along the line, they stay healthy, all that good stuff that coaches always say. But if that truly happens, I think they could be there toward the end. Um, Obviously, the Illini can do some things. You know, you're not going to get that Indiana game back, but you can certainly take care of what's ahead. And, again, keeping people healthy. You know, they lost the outside linebacker uh, last week who's gone for the year, and that's a shame because there's a lot of football to be played. But if they can keep their key people healthy, the Illini can be in the hunt. I honestly don't see Iowa in it unless something changes drastically. And uh, Wisconsin's going to have to show me something. You know, for them to turn the ball over three times in the second half against Washington State last week, that was a shocker. That is not Wisconsin football. And, you know, they're going through a bit of a change there. Paul Christ isn't calling the plays. They have a coordinator who's actually calling it. It's not just a title. He's running the offense, and they're trying to open things up a little bit, not so much smash mouth and hammerhead football like they've always done. So they're going through a little bit of growing pains, and they need to clean that up if they're going to factor in the West. Uh, real quick on uh, Chattanooga, what did the, the Illini have to be concerned about here uh, to, avoid a, to avoid an upset? And I did mention yesterday that uh, – you know, they played Kentucky within 28-23. Uh, that's a close game last year. So they are capable, it sounds to me like, of coming up with a good game from time to time. Yeah, they're, they're like a lot of very good, very solid, very good uh, FCS teams in the sense that they're going to have a few real quality individuals that could play Big Ten football, but they don't have the depth. And I think that's the biggest thing that makes a difference when you play teams like that is depth. But what needs to happen, I heard you bring it up, Lauren, is the fact that Chattanooga, unfortunately, is playing on Saturday. They play Samford. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, they've got to worry about their business there. And then, of course, they're going to come up to Champaign just a, a few days later, whereas the Illini have been able to get healthy. Any nicks and bumps and bruises they had coming off the first three games, you got a chance to get those healed. you got a chance to focus in on the opponent. And without question, the matchups that I've talked about will be in uh, full force and on the Illini side. So I just think as long as they stay with their uh, methodology of winning, which is uh, pound the football, some play action, take some shots downfield. I like the fact that uh, Coach Lenny's trying to uh, utilize the entire receiver core and have all those guys step up. And, uh, and then defensively. Stay healthy and do what you do, and I think there should not be a problem at all there. 
how long will you play if you could be in charge of the Illini for for a day? How long would you play the first string? <laughs> it, given oh, that in this yeah. situation on a Thursday night game four with Wisconsin in twelve days or ten well, days, ten days. Yeah, I mean, if if you think of it along the lines of let's say this game were to be in the uh, week zero, you know, if it were to be there. I would get them out of there as soon as possible, you know, a 24-point lead, 28-point lead, something like that. And I probably would have the same thoughts going into this one. The other thing would be if anybody who is starting or playing a significant amount of time is playing at 90 95% health, and they're doing fine, but they're just a little bit short of 100 I'd get them out as soon as possible. In other words, do what they need to do, but let's get them out of there so they don't risk further injury. And then for your real, any positions that are truly uh, thin in terms of depth, whatever they deem weak on the depth chart in terms of experience, get that guy out of there, get someone there to get experience because in the course of the next nine weeks, you're going to need everybody in that too deep to step up and play at some point. Coach, you add to our depth chart here on this broadcast. We appreciate it very much. Uh, and, very good. And hopefully we'll get to see you here in town sometime, but we're glad to have you either way. Great. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll be on uh, next week uh, talking about the moccasins. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> thanks, Nick. All right, that's Nick Quartaro. <laughs> All right. Thanks, thanks, guys. Yep, you read him in the News Gazette. You hear him here on Sports Talk, Coach Q. Lauren and I have some more. There is uh, want to bring this up because the students section Lauren sold out for basketball in 36 minutes, and um, that's great for Illinois basketball. But there's some that are left out without tickets in the student world. So we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Sports Talk. Thanks for Coach Q being with us for our Q and A segment tomorrow. We'll do a lot of our. Typical Friday fun, Ryan Barnhart's notebook, Matt Daniels from the News Gazette, Bob Osmussen in his world, Michael Martin will come in as well. So that's all tomorrow to finish out the week on a funky Friday. We're going to play two out of three coming up next hour, so be ready to dial up if you want to be a contestant on that. Text line says, Lauren, I would like to see a movement to open up more basketball seats for the students. Limiting 3,000 students on a campus with an enrollment of 50,000 there are so many disappointed students. The site crashed, and many, many students didn't even get an opportunity. Well, those other seats are awful valuable, as you know. They, uh, and, and if you're gonna, if you have a cutoff of three thousand, somebody, the next hundred are gonna be disappointed. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Same. If you went to five thousand, somebody wouldn't get a ticket, probably. Well, it'd be the same thing. Any number you pick, there'd be some. If if it sold out, there'd be somebody disappointed. But. I think it's great that that uh, they've got the interest that they do. Um, I wish the football, yeah. I wish the students had the same interest in football. They're probably saying the same thing in the ticket office. We wish give us uh, free tickets. Yeah, or, or <laughs> you know, we might be willing to dial down student demand. We wish we could dial down a little bit of that student demand for basketball tickets in 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 place for football. But what I'm hearing for this Chattanooga game is that. They they have they're overflowing out of the north end zone and into section one oh one with tickets for students. Free. Free. That will that will do it. Keyword <laughs> free. Um and and I you know, I think long term we've talked about this, others have too. It'd be great to see students permanently in uh somewhere in the east stands 
uh, along the visiting sideline. Yeah, well, Illinois football will never be what we want it to be without filling that stadium. As long as you're going to have it one-third empty or whatever, one-fourth empty, it's just uh, you, you just can't expect the recruits to come. It is um, – th- there is a bit of a disadvantage is when there is a decent crowd, you know, more than half full, most of them are on the west side. So as you're sitting in the press box or mm-hmm. as you're looking from the television you're looking view, across you're at looking at empty, empty seats. seats in that upper deck. And you don't see how full it is mm-hmm. in the nicest seats in the stadium, mm-hmm. also the suites and the Colonnades Club and all that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the students will be filling up the Orange Crush and beyond again. And uh, 3,000, what, kind of wraps around uh, behind the benches and over onto the, what would be the north or the south side and a little bit more. They don't have it going all the way up into the 200 level like they used to, where it was just a big piece of the pie. Um, and they, they sold it from top to bottom. Back to football. Okay. Do you ever see uh, anything happening relative to moving the students to the east side? I I think it's a smart idea. I don't know what it takes to do it. People want it to happen, <laughs> but what do you have to do to do it? And are there I, – I would think there's enough space there that you could displace whomever has seats there already. Oh, you mean this season? Oh, I don't know about this no, season. No, well, no, you could do it in the future, but they built that whole north end for the students and the band. And the I marching and line are set right in front of. I mean, yeah. that that was a plan. I think it was now misguided. It, it I like that they. I I like you know, as a former band guy. Yeah. I like a a a nice permanent spot for the marching band. Yeah. And I don't know that I don't know if students complain about the north end zone, but it looks so removed from the action. Now, I'll give them this. When they get going, it's still very loud. Mm-hmm. It's well-designed sound-wise. doesn't help if the other team's going south, though. <laughs> <laughs> They're a long way from that other end yeah. of the stadium. Yeah. It, and it, it, you, you go, I go back to opening night and how Purdue looked against Penn State. And Purdue wants to move their students down to, their, uh, to that open end zone environment. I think that's a mistake. You got them right on top of you right now. That's a tough place to play as a road team. Ross Aid Stadium, a little old West Lafayette. It's a tough place when they get that blackout going. Really is. Penn State, same way. Iowa, they're right on top of you. Those are tough places to play. Mm-hmm. Make it so. That's what they should do. Um. All right. Anything else we got to hit on here? I think we got caught some of the big stuff from today. We'll come back and uh, transition into the next hour. If you got anything on your mind, do join us. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Well, there are some springish sports that are in action. Right now, because they're also fall sports, being golf and tennis. The men's tennis team actually went up in rankings. Um, I'm sorry, Adrian Dumont-Chassard is is up to number six in the uh, PGA's rankings of, of college players. But uh, the Illini overall are number 11, and they're hosting the GCAA Coaches 
the o excuse me the OFCC Fighting Illini invite up at Olympia Fields starting tomorrow. And yeah, fifty four holes of golf up there. Right? Yep. And they they're going to have their own their first event ever. I don't know if it's ever, but at least ever at Atkins in the spring. Mm -hmm. Going to replace what used to be the, the Kepler. Is used what they used to go to before the the last event of the regular season in the spring. You'll be able to watch them here along with several other notable programs, some of them Big Ten. But uh, Jackson Buchanan, Pearson Hunt, Tommy Cool, Adrian Dumont de Chassert, and Matisse Bassard are all in uh, the lineup for Illinois at this invitational up at Olympia Fields. So that is good stuff. White Sox win today. They get five home runs. Roger Federer retiring. We talk some football with Coach Q. And, Lauren, your reward for all this is another hour with me Saturday morning. Can't Are you wait. okay with that? Can't wait. We'll learn a lot more about Chattanooga. I don't know enough about them. It's in Tennessee. Yeah. They have a basketball team mm -hmm. that Illinois beat in March Madness last year. But now Illinois has to beat them in football. And I think they will. I think they will. All right, good sir. You get tomorrow off. We'll All see you right. Saturday morning. Okay. That's Lauren Tate. Evan Kahn is coming up. Scott Ritchie will be in studio as well. We'll talk some Illini-ish things with him. And we'll play two out of three. So get ready if you want to win some bucks to go eat and drink at the Esquire. Or just have some pride in your name having won on Sports Talk. All options for you. This is News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Here's the news.